from the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Washington Watch. Well, coming up on this Tuesday edition, last week, the Senate Armed Services Committee advanced to the full Senate the nomination of Air Force General C.Q. Brown Jr. as Biden's chairman for the Joint Chiefs. Now, Brown would take the place of General Mark Milley as the head of the nation's military. Now, this action came despite concerns on and off Capitol Hill about General Brown's wokeness. We showed you this curriculum from the Air Force Academy, and she asked you why the terms mom and dad were disfavored. And, and you said that you're working to build cohesive teams. So just wondering, how do the terms mom and dad impair cohesive team building? You know, part of uh, leadership is understanding the people you are privileged to lead. And as you have that opportunity, you get to know them. And every one of us grows up differently and has different experiences, different backgrounds. And we can't assume when we engage with them. That was General Brown in an exchange with Florida Congressman Matt Gates before the House Armed Services Committee. Congressman Gates joins us in just a moment. And the evidence appears to be mounting of corruption involving the Biden family and federal agency heads that are blocking and tackling for them. As a result, there is now open discussion of impeachment hearings. We would know none of this if Republicans had not taken the majority. We've only followed where the information has taken us. But, Hannity, so this Speaker. is rising to the level of impeachment inquiry. That was House Speaker Kevin McCarthy on Fox last night with Sean Hannity. I'll admit there is so much information, it is actually becoming hard to connect all the dots. So we're going to try and do some dot connecting with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee. Last week, Senator Grassley released an unclassified FBI record that the FBI would not release that's related to the Bidens. Senator Grassley joins us later here on Washington Watch. Under Republican leadership, the House is actually working to pass appropriations bills for the first time in uh, almost two decades. Now, these are the spending bills. However, not everyone is happy that they are actually doing their constitutional duty of appropriating. The White House has already trashed the effort, saying the president would not sign the appropriations bills because, in part, the measures defund the Biden administration's unholy trinity of abortion, LGBTQ indoctrination, and climate craze. House conservatives, though, are undeterred. The Republican appropriations bills ought to implement Republican priorities reversing the reckless, harmful, dangerous policies of the Biden administration. That was Virginia Congressman Bob Good earlier today, a member of the House Freedom Caucus and an appropriator. He could, uh, the question is, could we be on our way to a showdown over a government shutdown? Congressman Good is here later. Senate Democrat leader Chuck Schumer is working to make sure the Senate restores the wokeness the House removed from the National Defense Authorization Act which directs military spending and priorities. We have a chance to show the American people that the Senate can work productively in our on our national defense in stark contrast to the partisan race to the bottom that we saw over in the House. <sighs> Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton joins me for that discussion and more. Also, did, did you know this, uh, what Senator Schumer wants to do in the uh, appropriations bill for the, or the defense authorization bill? Well, Democrats are trying to bail out Target in the defense bill. We're going to talk about that, too. Our word for today comes from Luke chapter 19. And he said to them, well done, good servant, because you were faithful in a very little, have authority over 10 cities. In this parable, Jesus tells of three servants who were given one mina. It re re representing the equal opportunity we have to serve the Lord as his followers. The first servant earned 10 minas on the one mina and was rewarded with 10 cities to have authority over. The second servant brought a return of five minas and was given five cities. These are significant rewards for using something someone else entrusted to you. But look at the third servant who hid his one mina doing nothing with what he was given. What he had was taken away, and he was then reprimanded. The meaning? As followers of Jesus, we are left here on this earth as his servants to look after his kingdom. 
not just as caretakers, but as those who will expand his holdings. To find out more about our journey through the Bible, go to frc.org slash Bible. As I mentioned, the Senate is continuing debate uh, throughout today's program on their version of the National Defense Authorization Act. Earlier this month, the House passed a strong version of the NDAA, addressing many of the Biden administration's woke policies that distract our military from its core mission of fighting and winning wars. With Democrats in the Senate majority and the Biden administration threatening to veto bills that impede their woke agenda, what can we expect in the coming days? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Matt Gates. He serves on the House Armed Services Committee and the House Judiciary Committee. He represents the 1st Congressional District of Florida. Congressman Gates, welcome back to the program. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Tony. Appreciate being on with you. So, Congressman, before we get to the NDAA, I want to get your take on the Senate advancing the nomination of General C.Q. Brown Jr. as the chair of the Joint Chiefs. I would not have voted to, for the nomination of C.Q. Brown for this promotion that Joe Biden wants to give him. And the reason is that C.Q. Brown actually believes this radical DEI agenda that wants to turn our service members against their moms and dads, that embraces a radical gender ideology, and that at times promotes various versions of critical race theory. C.Q. Brown is uh, someone who I think should not be in a position where he can perpetuate those things that we're working very hard to try to get out of our military so that they can focus on survivability, capability, and lethality. So you pressed him on this when it came to the curriculum of the Air Force Academy and, and used dropping the terms moms and dads. And his response was, well, you got to know who you're leading. That's a part of leadership. You got to know who you're leading. So what does that mean for all of those uh, members of the military who have moms and dads? They're forgotten. Right. Right. That is what is so inherently divisive about the DEI agenda, is it excludes a great deal of people who, as a consequence of their immutable traits, you, know, you didn't get to choose whether or not you were born to a mom and dad who are still around. These are things that, that uh, occur. You know, some people are, have a, a single parent family. Some people don't. But I asked as a follow-up to General Brown, does he know anyone who's offended when they hear the term mom or dad, I know people who don't have both a mom and a dad, but, but I don't know that any of those people, whether they lost a parent or otherwise, would be offended if they heard someone else use that reference. But it goes far beyond that. What I'm worried about, Tony, is that increasingly we're seeing in this Department of Defense a desire to move mission out of red states, out of the Bible mm -hmm. Belt, not because that's what's important for our national security, but because it's political retribution. You see, the DOD doesn't like Alabama's abortion policy, and so they're making it hard for us to get the Space Command set up in, uh, the, in Huntsville. They might not like some of Florida's policies where we're not trying to indoctrinate youth on radical gender ideology in the third grade, and we're starting to see them try to chip away at the things that we've done to grow our military mission. So I think all right-minded Americans should agree that the national defense should be spared this type of social justice warrior activity that C.Q. Brown and many others at the Pentagon seem to embrace. Well, what was interesting in this, the Democrats aided by the media, accused the Republicans of using the NDAA to advance this culture war that you made reference to. But you're just removing those items. Now, Chuck Schumer in the Senate says they're going to put them back in. Where does that leave the NDAA when it comes back over to the House? But we're not going to authorize a woke military that works against the interests of our service members and their families. We're not going to authorize a military that doesn't put the defense of our nation first and paramount over all other concerns. Uh, we didn't choose this fight, Tony. Like, I didn't have to offer an amendment that women shouldn't have to take showers with biological men because I chose that fight in the culture war. I had to offer that amendment because women stationed at military community said, we are uncomfortable showering with someone who has male genitalia. I mean, I can't even believe we're having to discuss this in polite company, right? But they chose to use the military in this very tortured way. And now we're just trying to right the ship. 
We're trying right. to get a course correction in place. So we would prefer the military totally be left out of the culture war, but that means they need to stop using taxpayer money to facilitate abortions through the military. That means that they shouldn't be robbing money that we appropriate. If someone in our military has a child with Down syndrome or some other physical ailment, if they want to rob that money for a gender hormone replacement uh, therapy. So that is what we're talking about. And I think most normal Americans would probably agree with us. Right. I mean, it, it's very interesting. The left does this a lot, uh, especially the Biden administration. You know, they stick a gun to your back and you try to disarm them and they call you the aggressor. Right, right. And, and it's especially egregious when you see people being attacked because of immutable traits. There was one case, Tony, we had in committee where a chief DEI official was actually saying that people who were white didn't weren't allowed to have certain opinions and perspectives about race, that just by virtue of being white, you um, were robbed of the opportunity for that discourse. And I want to get back to the values of Dr. Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement, that we should judge one another by the content of our character, right. not by immutable traits like the color of our skin. There was a failed DEI episode at the Department of Defense. Lloyd Austin wanted all of the photographs taken off of officer promotion packets because he said, well, if you look at someone's photograph, you would be enslaved by your own bias. And the result after that change wasn't a more diverse officer corps. It was a less diverse officer corps. So actually, we are pretty good people. Uh, we are not a racist country. We don't have a racist military. I think for the most part, we've got patriotic Americans working to do their duty. And we don't want what seems to have infected corporate America and so much of the federal bureaucracy to now be a cancer on our beloved military. Right. It, it, it's, it's they, they are fueling what they say they are against. Uh, I, I want to go to another topic very quickly before we run out of time, Congressman Gates. Last night, Speaker McCarthy suggested publicly for the first time that the evidence is rising to the level for potential impeachment inquiry into the president. What would it take for us to get to that point? I think we're there already, but I don't put much stock in Speaker McCarthy's words on that point because Speaker McCarthy, before uh, his ascendance to the speakership, said we were going to open an impeachment inquiry into Mayorkas, and we haven't done that. And then weeks ago, he said that the IRS whistleblower information justified an impeachment inquiry into Merrick Garland, and then we didn't do that. And now he is largely analyzing evidence that we've had for some time about these bank payments from the Chinese through paths throughs to the Biden family. And he's saying, well, maybe we should have pinched Joe Biden. It just kind of sounds like a lot of talk to me. I'm going to continue dogged oversight work. But you hit the nail on the on the head in the monologue. Follow the money. OK, it, talk is cheap. I want to know if we're going to continue to send money to these agencies of government that push critical race theory, that try to divide people from their parents, that try to turn young folks against a nation that is the greatest in all of human history. And if we do that, and if we stay focused on the money, then I think we can actually get wins for our people. If we, if we give airy talk every few months when it's politically convenient to gaslight impeachment inquiries, I don't know that that's been a successful uh, endeavor for us. Well, you're right. Congress has the purse strings, so we're going to see real soon what happens. Congressman Matt Gates, thanks so much for joining us. Always great to see you. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate being on. All right, uh, Congressman Matt Gates of Florida. All right, coming up, going to talk more about that evidence with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. He's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away. Today, more than ever, men need a reminder of what biblical manhood looks like and to understand God's good design for them, to serve as provider, instructor, battle buddy, defender, and chaplain. They need a battle plan to truly live out their role. Family Research Council's Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin and Dr. Keenan Kirtan's book, Strong and Courageous, a sequel to Man to Man, offers this battle plan so that men can pursue their God-given responsibility in a culture quickly turning away from God's design. The authors unpack the Old Testament book of Joshua as the focus of their study, asking readers to look to his leadership to help consider and apply the key principles of biblical manhood. It's time for men to accept their role in the family and community and truly embrace their God-given purpose. To order your copy of Strong and Courageous, A Call to Biblical Manhood, go to frc.org slash strongandcourageous. Again, that's frc.org slash strongandcourageous.
Christians must be sure to faithfully think about the issues that have taken our culture and many of our churches by storm from a biblical perspective. Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book, Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage to help Christians better grasp the Bible's teaching about these issues. This study presents a biblical view of homosexuality, transgenderism, and marriage. With this new resource, readers will be giving guidance on specific questions related to preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and other matters that our churches must be discipling their members to respond to with love and biblical conviction. As part of the study, readers have access to supplemental videos by Dr. Albert Moeller, Dr. Heath Lambert, Reverend H.B. Charles, Dr. Christopher Yuan, Dr. Rosaria Butterfield, and others that expand and elaborate the themes of each chapter. To purchase a copy, go to hecreatedthem.org. Today we find that global persecutions of Christians is growing more menacing every year. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares personal stories from those who have endured religious persecution and gives a close look at the dire situations Christians often face due to dangerous and sometimes deadly opposition to their faith. The book's true stories of persistence and faithfulness amidst crisis offer inspiration and hope. Heroic Faith also provides insights into the ideologies driving the hostility and persecution, what steps the U.S. government might take to help, and how readers can best respond to the struggles of the faithful. It is critical for us to learn from our brothers and sisters who are suffering deeply and to do whatever we can to help. You can get your copy of Heroic Faith wherever books are sold or by going to frc.org slash heroicfaith. Again, that's frc.org slash heroicfaith. back to Washington Watch. The website is TonyPerkins.com. Be sure and check it out. Lots of resources there for you and action items. Remember, our republic was made for participants, not spectators. Last week, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley released an FBI document containing allegations that then-Vice President Joe Biden and his son Hunter pressured a Ukrainian businessman to pay them millions in exchange for their getting a Ukrainian prosecutor fired. The FBI previously allowed House Oversight Committee members to view this document privately, but refused to release it publicly, prompting Senator Grassley to release it himself. Where could this growing body of evidence against the president lead? Joining me now to discuss this and help us connect all the dots with the information that's popping up is Senator Chuck Grassley. He serves on five Senate committees, including the Senate Judiciary Committee, where he's the ranking member, he represents the state of Iowa. Senator Grassley, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. It's been a long time since I've been with you, and I enjoy my conversation with you. Well, I appreciate you taking time to join us. I know you've been busy. The FBI refused to release this document, which uh, contained information from a confidential informant, which caused the uh, House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer to consider a contempt of Congress inquiry for FBI Director Christopher Wray. Now, why did you find it so important to release this document publicly, and why didn't the FBI do it themselves? Well, it's unclassified, and uh, about the time that they were going to find Wray in contempt, Wray decided to give the document to the House Oversight Committee, but it was heavily redacted. And one of the sentences that Comer and I had read in an unredacted version that we were able to read because of patriotic people that we call whistleblowers in DOJ and FBI, uh, they, uh, they gave it to us and we read it. And so then when I found out that there was a couple sentences among a lot of other redacted provisions of the bill, of the document, uh, was something that referred to 17 phone calls, two of them between Vice President Biden and uh, 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 Ukraine national, and then 15 telephone calls between uh, that same uh, Ukraine national and Hunter Biden. And so why would they keep that from the House Oversight Committee? So I uh, worked to get this document released because it's unclassified. 
and the people ought to know if you want to read it, Tony, you can read it. 330 million people could have access to it if they wanted to. And that's just the way the public's business ought to be public. And uh, so what this really raises for me, the question, it doesn't, uh, I don't deal specifically with the guilt or lack of guilt of a Hunter Biden or a Joe Biden, but I have a job to make sure that the FBI does its job. And so right. I want to know why they redacted those two provisions. Was it part of uh, the political bias that they've shown in so many other investigations, uh, more or less two forms of justice, and we ought to have equal justice under our constitution. Uh, and uh, that's what it requires. And so why did they uh, redact that? I think it's evidence of protecting the Bidens. So have you, so gotten, have you gotten an answer? Have you FBI, I want to know what follow-up to this document. Now, right. this is 2023. This document is dated June of 2020. So what have they done in the last three years with this document? I think we, I have a right to know as a member of the Judiciary Committee, are they doing their job? I, I absolutely think you're right. So I have a question. Have, have they given you any answers? Why did they take those two sentences out? Why, oh, what, what was the justification? But we, uh, Comer and I are gonna follow up with as many people as we can that know more about this. Because if the FBI isn't going to investigate it, or if they have investigated and they aren't going to tell us, we need to know what they know. And so right. we're going to have some transcribed uh, interviews with other people that know. We've, uh, we've got to get to the bottom of this. Now, now Congress I, I, can't prosecute, right. but Congress can investigate. We can make public everything we know, and uh, we ought to do that. Well, the, the system... Our Make system. Sure FBI knows that we are overlooking, or as we say in the Congress, we're doing our oversight work right. to make sure that they're doing the job right. In our system of government, Congress has oversight of the executive branch. You don't set the you don't uh, you can't you have the purse strings and you have oversight. This would only make sense that you can ask these questions. Now, I know in the in the Senate, you're in the minority, and so the Democrats want to provide cover for the Biden administration. But in the House, the Republicans should get answers to their questions because they're asking these questions. Well, of course, and I think they're going to. They have subpoena power that we as Republicans in the Senate in the minority, we don't have. And uh, uh, I'm going to, and I don't need to encourage Comer. Uh, right. He's going to get to the bottom of it, I'm certain. So, there, I mean, there's more smoking guns now than there were at OK Corral. So help us connect. We just got a couple minutes. Let's connect this this document, the allegations of these phone calls, the cover up here with the FBI uh, apparent and the IRS whistleblowers over in the House. Are all these connected? Uh, they're a little bit connected with U.S. Attorney Weiss. That was in, uh, he's in Delaware. He was the person in charge of the Hunter investigations. They come together a little bit at that point, but I consider them as separate uh, issues in all reality. But they do point to what we're concerned about the enrichment of the Biden family that's possible, the millions of dollars that they've gotten from people uh, in China. Kazakhstan, uh, let's see, Romania, maybe even uh, from the mayor's uh, wife in uh, Moscow. I, I don't know how many of these that, that there's out there, but they add up to millions of dollars and it's difficult to track because they have so many LLCs right. that they put this uh, in. Uh, the separate accounts, and so it's difficult to track right. it. But I think Comer's got the authority uh, to do that. But it, it would look <laughs> like, since they are separate, there's a pattern that we see that's widespread, would, which again would suggest there's something here. Senator, we're out of time. Always great to see you. Thanks so much for coming on the program today. Thank you very much. Goodbye. All right, All right folks, stick with us. We're back on the other side of the break with. 
Virginia Congressman Bob Good. Don't go away. Men are constantly told that there is no place for their thoughts and concerns about abortion. However, this attitude ignores the fact that both women and men are deeply and personally affected by abortion. Furthermore, one does not have to be a woman to know that abortion ends the life of an innocent, unborn child. Every man has a role to play in protecting unborn lives and supporting the mothers in their families and greater community, which is why FRC's Center for Human Dignity has released a resource titled A Man's Guide to Standing for Life. This resource was created to help men positively address the topic of life. This guide will equip men with phrases to utilize or avoid, as well as practical tips for helping to protect life and the expectant mother or unborn child he knows. Every man has the opportunity to be an unborn baby's hero by stepping in to support a mother and speaking up for her child's life. Get this free guide at frc.org slash men to learn more about the important role men play in protecting unborn lives. Have you seen the Now We Live series? It is a six-week worldview Bible study created in partnership with Family Research Council and Summit Ministries. This video series was put together to help Christians propel faith into action. It offers six free videos to prompt rich discussions about some of life's most foundational questions among churches, small groups, and families. Each video is led by well-known Christian voices and addresses questions regarding worldview, Jesus, truth, identity, and society. It's so important for Christians to both know the truth and to live in a way that is compatible with the truth. Being grounded in what is true and living out God's grace allows a believer's faith to truly transform one's own life and ultimately help transform a broken world. Equip yourself and other Christians to learn more about what it means to truly hold a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Again, go to frc.org worldview. A lot's happening on Capitol Hill this week as uh, members of Congress try to wrap up their work so they can take off for the month of August. We'll see how that works out. Well, yesterday, uh, President Biden issued veto threats for House Republicans who are working hard, actually working very hard to get appropriations bills for defense and health and agriculture through the process and onto his desk. Now, This is something that actually hasn't happened. The the Congress hasn't passed appropriations bills, the 12. There's 12 of them. They haven't done this in totality since 1997. All right? That's their job, appropriations. In fact, what we've seen is continuing resolutions, just kicking the can down the road, or these omnibus bills that just lump everything in and is totally, uh, they're totally irresponsible fiscally. So the Republicans are actually doing what they were elected to do, and that is be responsible. They're cutting out-of-control spending of the Biden administration, and what really has the Biden administration worked up threatening to veto these appropriations bills are the fact that they're going after their unholy trinity of abortion, transgenderism, and the climate. Joining me now to discuss this and more is Congressman Bob Good. He serves on the House Budget Committee, the House Education and Labor Committee, as a member of the House Freedom Caucus, he represents the 5th District of Virginia. Congressman Good, welcome back to the program. Great to be with you, Tony. Thanks for having me. So the White House issued a statement accusing House Republicans of, quote, wasting time with partisan bills. Your reaction? Well, the American people gave the Republicans a majority in the House for a reason. We ran on fiscal responsibility. We ran on combating the terrible, harmful Biden agenda. We uh, ran on uh, combating the harmful policies that the country is suffering under. And uh, that's our commitment to do that. And we need to follow through and deliver for the American people and not let them down. If you read the White House's statement, the, the real offense is not backing the administration's agenda for abortion, LGBTQ indoctrination, and the so-called green energy giveaways. That has it's pervasive in every aspect of this administration, in their domestic policy and their foreign policy. Why should Republicans have to go along with that? Well, they certainly should not. And again, that's why we were given the majority. But you can look no further than the defense bill, the defense, uh, National Defense Authorization Act that we passed uh, two weeks ago now, to think that we would not, the Democrats would not focus on force readiness, lethality, effectiveness, but would instead treat our military as a 
social experiment, as a climate experiment to focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion, transgender policies, CRT in our academies and in our military training, you know, trying to electrify our vehicles, uh, trying to pay for abortions for the first time in the history of the country starting last year, paying for transgender surgeries, those sorts of things. And what Republicans did is we actually came together and passed the first Republican national defense bill in, in many years. And we actually rolled back those policies, which is why we got nearly every Republican to vote for it. And sadly and unfortunately, uh, I think just maybe one Democrat voted for it because it was truly a Republican bill. And Tony, as you know, the media uh, dishonestly accused Republicans of making military spending a culture issue. And all we did, with, though, was to roll back what the right. Democrats had done when they had the majority for two years under President Biden and Nancy Pelosi. We undid in our bill uh, the culture wars the Democrats had perpetrated on the American people. Well, in, in some cases, Congressman, it wasn't Congress that did it. The administration unilaterally did it in, in terms of the, uh, the, the travel for abortion the uh, th that they are putting in there to facilitate abortions in the military so you've been critic you were critical of the debt ceiling agreement and you know your criticism is now being uh, validated with the president himself saying look these cuts that the house is making is in violation of this agreement how does congress go forward from here well, Speaker McCarthy, when there was a lot of criticism, you know, one third of Republicans did not vote for the what I call the failed Responsibility Act, which essentially kept spending at the Biden levels. And every Republican who voted for that, in my view, owns the Biden agenda from a spending standpoint for the remaining year and a half. But Speaker McCarthy said that the, that the spending levels in the uh, FRA were the ceiling, not the floor, and we could go lower and that we would use the appropriations process to do that. So we're trying to hold him to that commitment. We're trying to cut back to pre-COVID levels for non-defense discretionary spending. We're, we're asking to see all 12 bills, how they fit together, the entire puzzle, so we know as we work through the first two of those this week and then the remaining 10 over the subsequent weeks, we know how it fits together. We know that we're going to take a step in the right direction towards fiscal responsibility. So, Congressman, what happens? The House does their work. The Senate is just not even started on some of the appropriations bills. So they'll probably want to do a continuing resolution. What happens if we have a stalemate? And do you think that's a likely outcome? Well, you're, you're exactly right in, in terms of the concern, Tony, because we are battling Democrats in the House, Democrats in the Senate and the White House, and sadly, unfortunately, Republicans in the Senate as well who want to spend more. But what we tell Speaker McCarthy and what we've told him is you've got to be a transformational speaker, show you know just unprecedented resolve and strength that you're willing to say no, that you're willing to stare down the Dems, stand out, stare down the Senate and the White House and say the House is just not going to go along with a failure to cut our spending when we've got $32 trillion in national debt. We're projecting nearly a $2 trillion deficit this year. We're on our way to $50 trillion in debt and beyond in the next 10 years if we don't cut our spending. We have a responsibility to do that, and hopefully Speaker McCarthy will lead to that effect and keep the Republican coalition that we had for the first five months of this year. Well, and I think uh, the conservative Freedom Caucus is helping lead the way and lead the speaker. So keep up the good work. Thank you, Tony. All right, Congressman Bob Good of Virginia. This is a it's a critical moment. It's a unique moment. And it's actually an encouraging moment because I I see commitment and courage among the ranks of Republicans that I have not seen in years. I know there's a lot of bad things, but there's some good things. Coming up next, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas joins me. Don't go away. Are you prepared to pray, vote, and stand for biblical truth? It is imperative that Christians pray for their community and culture to steward their role as a citizen by voting and to stand for biblical truth. This means that Christians must be intentional about seeking after the Lord in all things. You can join Family Research Council and FRC Action President Tony Perkins in this mission as he hosts the Pray, Vote, Stand broadcast to inspire brothers and sisters in Christ to turn their attention to the Lord first and in every compartment of their lives. Tony is joined by experts, elected leaders, and Christian leaders for this weekly half-hour program to help you see through the fog created by the biased mainstream media. Watch the Pray, Vote, Stand weekly broadcasts and commit to pray for our nation, to stand for truth, and to seek the Lord first. Just go to prayvotestand.org. Again, that's prayvotestand.org. 
Tech censorship is on the rise. Big tech companies are attempting to cancel conservatives and Christians, which is why here at Family Research Council, we've decided to be proactive so that big tech cannot silence us completely. FRC has a text subscription platform to be sure we can continue to keep you in the loop. That way, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone. Just sign up for our text alerts by texting STAND to 67742. Again, you simply text STAND to 67742 and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues that matter to you. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. You'll have access to content that will help you continue to stand for faith, family, and freedom. And you'll know about opportunities to connect with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Finding a quality news source today in this media-saturated world can be incredibly difficult. It is important to stay informed on what is going on in the world, but you need a news source you can trust. That is why Family Research Council created The Washington Stand, an online news platform with a mission to provide readers with free, factual news stories and commentaries all from a biblical worldview. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide reliable information on the most crucial issues of the day ranging from breaking news on the hottest Supreme Court decisions to details on the latest public education stories, updates to domestic and international religious liberty cases, and more. We want you and your family to stay informed on what is happening in the world that affects faith, family, and freedom. Be encouraged, be in the know, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. That's WashingtonStand.com. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Thanks so much for making us part of your day. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, yesterday we had a poll question, and uh, lots of you participated. Here was the question. Do you support state and federal legislation requiring schools to inform parents and get their consent before children can identify as a different gender? Well, I'm so proud to uh, to get the results of our listening audience. 100% said yes. All right. It's not a surprise, but thank you for participating. Thank you for listening and thank you for taking action. Uh, This program is not just about, uh, again, uh, not about uh, building an audience of spectators. I want participants. We've got to be involved. Our country stands at a tipping point. It's a critical juncture in our nation's history. And, And you and I have been entrusted by God with this time. It's a bad time. It's a challenging time, but there's great opportunities in it as well. I mean, it doesn't take much to get attention to the truth. There's not uh, a whole lot of work needed to shine your light with the backdrop of darkness we see today. So be involved, be prayerful, and be involved. All right, before I, uh, I, I go to my, my next guest, uh, I, I want to just play a clip here. We were talking earlier with Senator Grassley. We were talking uh, with Matt Gates uh, about the, the growing investigation about uh, Joe, Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, and his son Hunter. Well, yesterday, the uh, press secretary, White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, uh, was asked, again, a question about, uh, you know, is this evidence mounts? And it looks like the president may not have been telling the truth. Is he going to change his story? Play clip number five. I'm curious if the White House and the president still stand behind his comment that he's never been involved and has never even uh, spoken to his son about his business. So I've been, I've been asked this question a million times. The answer is not going to change. The answer remains the same. The president ha- was never in business with his son. All right. Did you, did you hear that? I, word games. The, the question was not, was he in business with his son? We know he was the vice president. The question was, has he ever been involved or spoken to his son about his business? And uh, KJP says the president was never in business with his son. I'm not going to, you know, that's been the answer. It's not going to change. They're not being honest. This, just keep watching this and and, and don't listen to the legacy media because they, uh, well, they're not going to tell you the truth at all. All right. As I was uh, discussing in the last segment with Congressman Bob Good of Virginia, the Biden administration is beholden to the left's agenda on abortion, transgenderism and the so-called green policies. Now, this is what I call the unholy trinity. 
It is uh, abortion, LBGTQ indoctrination, and the climate. Now, even members of their base are against these policies, as we've seen from recent polling. But the Biden administration won't drop these obsessions. It tells me there's something much deeper here going on. This agenda now even influences the annual spending bill to provide for our national defense. That's the NDAA that we were talking about earlier. That's the bill that directs the priorities of our military and how the money is spent. Joining me now to, uh, to give us the latest on the NDAA and much, much more. Joining us by phone is Arkansas Senator Tom Cotton. He serves on the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senate Intelligence Committee, and the Senate Armed Services Committee. Senator Cotton, welcome back to the program. Great to hear from you. Thank you, Tony. It's great to be back on with you. Yes, we're currently voting on the annual defense bill uh, just back inside the Capitol. Um, and uh, so the Democrats have been accusing our friends in the, in the House of politicizing the military, uh, which is rich, Tony, because the Biden administration is the one that has actually tried to politicize the military thoroughly over the last two and a half years with their witch hunt for non-existent extremists and paying for abortion tourism and for sex change operations. Uh, Republicans are simply standing up for, as you rightly say, uh, the opinion of the vast majority of the American people, to include normal Democrats around the country. Right. So, so the, 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 the House Republicans actually cleaned up the NDAA, and it was one of the best I've seen in a while. They sent it over to the Senate, and Democrats are busy putting that stuff back in. So how do you anticipate this playing out? Well, we'll see, Tony, later this year when we go to reconcile the two versions. I'll be active uh, in that conference trying to advocate for as much of the House bill as possible. We might see some surprises. That's what happened over the last two years uh, in conference. Uh, the uh, Democrats didn't have their act together and Republicans not some surprises when they didn't have either chamber. Hopefully we'll not some uh, surprise victories this time as well. Of course, the simplest way to solve all these problems is to win back the White House next year right. and have a secretary of defense who understands that our troops need to be focused on training for and preparing to fight the next war, therefore preventing it from happening in the first place, not using our military for left-wing social engineering. So, Senator Cotton, you, you may see it differently because you're a little bit closer to it, but my observation here, the, the House, I think, was really spurred on and encouraged by the stand that your colleague, Senator Tommy Tuberville, took, and you aided him in that effort to draw attention to the Department of Defense violating, if not the letter of the law, certainly the spirit of the law, in the abortion tourism that you were talking about, facilitating abortions in our military for the first time. And, and, and so that, I think, really encouraged the House to take a strong stand on the NDAA. Give us the latest on this continued mounting attack against Senator Tuberville for putting a hold on military promotions until the military goes back to the status quo as it pertains to abortions. Well, Tony, many uh, liberal Democrats are criticizing Tommy Tuberville for what they call highly unusual or even unprecedented objection to the unanimous voice vote uh, for military officers in the rank of brigadier general and above. And it is true that we do typically uh, just offer voice vote in bulk for all those uh, generals and admirals. However, it is also unprecedented that the Biden administration is using taxpayer dollars to pay for abortion tourism. Uh, I, I would not give them the benefit of the doubt. I, I do not think this violates merely the spirit of the law. It violates the letter of the law, which prohibits the use of taxpayer funding for abortions. And I don't think you can say that when the military is now paying for paid leave, plus travel, plus lodging, plus meals uh, of any service member who travels out of state for an abortion that is not paying for abortions. And, and Tony, I just want to give all of your listeners a comparison to show you how distorted Democratic priorities are. Imagine two airmen at Little Rock Air Force Base. The first one walks into her commander and says, sir, I'm pregnant. I want to take abortion leave. That commander has no choice but to sign her leave form for three weeks of paid leave, not weeks that come out of her annual 30 days of leave, but three weeks of uncharged paid leave, plus her travel, plus her lodging, plus her meals. The next airman comes in 
It says, sir, a terrible thing has happened. My mother died unexpectedly last night. Uh, can I have leave to go uh, attend to her affairs and say goodbye at her funeral? The commander says, yes, you may, but you have to take it out of your 30 days of annual leave, and you'll have to pay full freight for your own expenses. Just think about how distorted those priorities are, Tony, yet that's the current state uh, of the Biden Department of Defense. Yeah, and as you said, the, the, I think since 1985, it's been very clear in the federal statutes about the military. It's not even, there's some discussion about Hyde, but Hyde it covers the annual appropriations bills. The military has its own uh, prohibitions against facilitating abortion. I want to go back to something you said, and, and we talked about it earlier in the program, how the Democrats and the media aiding them claiming the Republicans are trying to interject the social wars, the culture wars, into the NDAA. Well, Democrats, get this, Democrats are trying to attach the Credit Card Competition Act bill to the NDAA. Now, you say, what does that have to do with the NDAA? Well, not only are they trying to attach this, but this would bail out Target, the retailer Target, after their stock cratered for pushing trans clothes on kids. What do you make of that? Yeah. Um, well, Tony, uh, first off, uh, this is the National Defense Authorization Bill. And, and whatever you think of the Credit Card Competition Act, and I'm sure you have listeners in the retail industry who support it and listeners in the banking industry who oppose it, but whatever you think of it, it's not appropriate, in my opinion, to be trying to include such extraneous legislation to our annual defense bill. Um, this bill passes every year, going back more than 60 years. If we allow it for it to become just another Christmas tree piece of legislation in which senators can call up and get votes on and add to it totally unrelated um, legislation, I'm afraid that our Congress will be heading in the direction of just having two massive bills that pass every year. It'll be the annual bill that makes the laws called the National Defense Authorization Act, even though it will cover so much else, and it'll be the annual big spending bill, right. and that Congress will do nothing else for the rest of the year. That's why I've said since I got to Congress that the defense bill should be focused on our national defense. I don't dispute there are other important priorities. Chuck Schumer needs to find time on the floor of the United States Senate for us to address those priorities. We should not be turning our annual defense bill into just another Christmas tree with all kinds of unrelated extraneous pieces of legislation hanging off of it. Well, we see how bad of approach that is to our appropriations when we do the these omnibus bills where we lump, you know, a half dozen, a dozen appropriations bills all into one. That is not a good way to govern. It's irresponsible. No, it's not. And again, this gets back in part Chuck Schumer's leadership, or more aptly, failure of leadership. I mean, as Senator Tuberville often points out, we've had more than 50 days uh, out of session this week. If Chuck Schumer is really that concerned about the nation's business, if he really wanted to process these nominations, which Tommy Tuberville can't block unilaterally, he can only slow down, right. then we would be working a bit more. Uh, Tony, this week is yet another example. Here it is, almost 6 o'clock on Tuesday night. Uh, we are casting our first votes of the week, and we're likely to cast our last votes of the week by Thursday at 2 p.m. That means a grand total of 44 hours from first vote to last vote, and that includes all the time for sleeping and for eating, Tony. I, I think Chuck Schumer could be working a little bit harder if he was that concerned about the people's business and the national defense. Yeah, maybe he shouldn't do as much media on MSNBC and leading the Senate. <laughs> would be a better use of his time. Now, I don't want to let go of Target here. I want to stay on Target for just a moment. You've been critical of the retailer Target's discriminatory DEI policies, especially in light of recent Supreme Court decisions. Uh, tell us about that. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, aside from the question of whether or not that legislation should be on the uh, defense bill, Tony, there's no question that, that Target uh, has been acting inappropriately and dodging and weaving any attempt for accountability. I mean, I think everybody remembers, as you alluded to earlier this summer, when they were uh, pushing woke transgendered ideology on kids. They were first denied they had this at all, then they were caught red-handed, and they denied it was addressed to kids. Like, well, why is it in kids' sizes next to the kids' section? Um, but it's not just that. 
as you say, Tony, they've also uh, been uh, using racial quotas in hiring, which is both unpopular and illegal. Um, and it's the exact kind of thing Supreme Court just ruled against. So earlier this summer, I sent a letter urging them to completely, completely overturn these uh, policies that use unlawful quotas and actually just hire based on their needs. This Supreme Court, with the decisions that we've seen in the last two years, has the left up in arms because they've lost their ability to legislate many of their uh, ideologically driven policies that they can't get through the legislative process. How committed is the left in tearing down the court now that they don't control it? Well, Tony, that's all they've done for the last six years, and especially for the last three years since a clear center-right majority emerged. And it's not a lockstep majority, Tony. Right. As you know, there are cases that were disappointing to you and me this year. Uh, the justices often align in kind of surprisingly surprising ways, given the usual perceptions of them. Most of these cases are not highly political or ideological. But because there's a clear constitutionalist majority who believes that the people should be able to make their laws unless they're explicitly forbidden from doing so by a uh, written provision of the Constitution, the left has been trying to delegitimize the court for years. Uh, that's what the, attack, the unwarranted baseless attacks on Clarence Thomas and Sam Alito are about. Legislation that we just considered in the Judiciary Committee last week, so-called ethics legislation. Mm -hmm. The Supreme Court, like all judges, already has a code of ethics. This would be a radical remaking and intrusion to internal court operations requiring mandatory investigations by lower court judges whose opinions the justices are called upon to review into any allegation of wrongdoing. Just imagine the uh, possibilities for mischief there, Tony. There are entire, entire industries in Washington designed to gin up false Various allegations of wrongdoing or misconduct against conservatives funded by deep-pocketed liberals like George Soros. Every time a case goes to the Supreme Court in which they're worried about a potential ruling that they don't like, they'll gin up yet another ground for recusal, yet another ground for an investigation to try to knock a judge out of consider a justice out of consideration of that case. Right. It's just one more one more example of how the Democrats are willing to put their partisan and ideological priorities ahead of the health of our institutions. And, and one more reminder of why the founders knew what they were doing when they created our system the way they did and laid out the Constitution as they did. Senator Tom Cotton, always great to have you on the program. Thanks so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas. Ah, folks, pray. Pray, vote and stand for truth. And by the way, September the 15th through the 17th is our Pray Vote Stand Summit here in Washington, D.C. Make plans to join me. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234. Seven two three four.